And you're listening to a WNBA State of Mind. Stay tuned for a short commercial break. Made me lose my train of thought. You know how much I love you. Great show. Coach, before all of this, right, you were an outstanding player out of Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, and then played for an excellent coach in Kathy Rush at at Immaculata College alongside some great players like Rainey Portland and then Therese Sprintz who won three consecutive national championships. Now, I don't know which one you were a part of, but I know from 72 to 74, and they became great college coaches. You guys just fantastic. Penn State, ODU, Rutgers. Take us back in time. Share a story or two. Um, they made a they made a, they made a movie about you guys, The Mighty Max. Oh my God, I cried. <laughs> Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. This is uh, really a joy and great to see you and happy that you're doing this work and, uh, you know, sharing just the great uh, amount of history and tradition and content and, you know, across all decades, if you will, of women's basketball. You know, what we're seeing right now, the tremendous basketball at all levels, you know, isn't a new thing. There's been great basketball all along, been under, maybe underappreciated because it's been undercovered, like the media hadn't caught up. But there was great basketball even before I played. But I was very fortunate. You mentioned Immaculata College. And yes, we we had the film, The Mighty Max. <laughs> um you know, true to Hollywood, it's got a lot of, uh, you know, Hollywood license thrown in there. But the basic gist of the story is true. You know, a small, all-girls Catholic school playing underdog role against, you know, all the other schools. Because back in the day, back in the early 70s, there wasn't Division One, Two, II, and Three. Everybody was lumped together. So, for example, uh, one time we played University of Maryland, 30,000 students. We're a school of 800. Like, that just doesn't happen anymore, you know. But back in the day, that's kind of how it was. So anyway, Kathy Rush was our coach. And, um, you know, I was a senior in high school, Adrian, actually, when they won their first championship. Um, And they kind of came out of nowhere. But truth be told, and you can appreciate this being from the New Jersey area, um, North Jersey, uh, I guess you'd say that, you know, Bayonne, right across the river from the city, you know, basketball's big. Well, in Philly, just outside of Philly, which is where Immaculata was, basketball is big, yeah. tremendous and rich and deep, longstanding tradition. And uh, Immaculata had a good feeder system because back in the day, all the Catholic schools were well attended and they were like little feeder programs for this Catholic all girls school out in the, you know, just outside the city. We're actually considered a sister school to Villanova, about eight miles away is Villanova. So way back then, 40 years ago, you know, um, they started being successful. Kathy's influence was tremendous and we got some players and, you know, you get great coaching with great players. All of a sudden magic can happen. And so it did. So when I was a senior in high school, Immaculata won its first championship. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I just wanted to, you know, make a difference with young people and, You know, I thought phys ed, I'll go to Westchester State. At the time, that was the big rival for Immaculata. And I'll go there and be a phys ed teacher. But my heart wasn't in that. I wanted to coach basketball. 
or be involved in basketball. Coaching at that time wasn't really a career. It was an avocation, something you could do on side. Um, so anyway, I, I actually enrolled at Westchester State for about four or five days. I'm like, I'm in the wrong place. This ain't me. So I left, went over to Immaculata. The rest is history. I stayed there and we won two more championships. So during my four years in college, we won two national championships and lost in the championship game. So I had the really great good fortune of playing in four championship games as a player. Now, you know, some people would challenge you and say that, you know, she couldn't shoot, she couldn't throw it in the ocean from the beach, which might be true. <laughs> I wasn't quite that bad, but, uh, you know, I could drop a dime here and there and I could, be, I could play some defense. So, you know, it was fun. We had great teams with a, a terrific coach who uh, molded us and helped us prepare us for life after basketball. And for the three of us, myself, Teresa Grants and Rini Portland, it wasn't life after basketball. Basketball became it. And uh, about my junior year in college is when I realized, hey, I could I could coach for a living. Okay, that's really what I want to do. So that's kind of my story going back to that time. Wow, and that is a fantastic story. And for anybody who just chimed in, you're listening to a WNBA State of Mind. I got my coach, Marianne Stanley, on here from back in the day. They owe Dominion won a national championship with you in 1985 as a freshman. And I could never put all to, it all together until I watched the Mighty Max. And then I was like, oh, that's why she had me there shooting free throws without a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Working on that form. You know, in the mental <laughs> aspect mental. of it, you used to always have these little things. And I used to be, I used to be like, mom, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't understand the whole practicing without basketballs, but you know, whatever works, you know? Um, so you exposed me to a lot of things that had to do with the, you know, with the, the mental, you know, and having, and, and having an eye, a high IQ for this game. So I appreciate you for that. Um, now coming back, you know, coming, coming into time right now, we talked briefly, um, uh, last week, actually, um, about the injuries that your team suffered this season. Um, let's go into the WNBA. Elaborate on that because you guys, and then we'll, then we'll get into the next question, but you guys have a nice team on that. Yeah. Well, I feel like we have a, a, a nucleus of a very, very good team. And unfortunately, the injury bug hit us really hard last year. I think it hit the league, to be quite frank. And I think it's been a two-year process, if I could go back the year before last, we managed to salvage the season, we meaning the WNBA, by going down to Florida to IMG Academy and playing in the bubble, basically sealing ourselves off and creating an environment that was COVID free. Um, took a lot of doing, a lot of guts on the part of the league, but they pulled it off. Our players were terrific dealing with this situation. Basically, we went there and for three months, nobody left. So imagine leaving your friends, your family, like everything else, and just going somewhere for three months, totally closed off from everybody so that you can remain COVID free and play in a basketball season. That's what we did. Uh, the problem was, you know, we played 22 games in a, in a shorter amount of time, and there were a lot of injuries in that season. Fast forward to this past season, and we thought we would be coming out of COVID, but as you know, like this spring, 
and early summer, COVID was hitting hard with the Delta variant. And we ended up having another season that was very much affected by COVID. And um, long story short, I think what we had was a situation where, um, you know, it was difficult for players to maintain their condition, to maintain their normal training habits. And it just put a lot of pressure on everybody. We had a higher incidence of injuries throughout the league and our team was no different. So. Um, you know, we're kind of we're kind of putting that in the rearview mirror and looking ahead to next year and feel like we have a very good chance to be a, a real good team throughout the league. Adrian, I have to tell you, the league has gotten better and better each season. And the WNBA, Kathy Engelbert and her staff are to be commended because they've done a terrific job of, of marketing the league, of putting the players out there uh, in a way where the visibility is tremendous. You're starting to see people outside of the women's basketball sphere appreciating, acknowledging, and incorporating, you know, the WNBA players. So I think our players have done a great job with that visibility, with the platform. I think they've done a great job on social justice and on um, things like voting rights, like just being very, very active. And we were the first league to have 100% vaccination rate. So I think we led the way in, in, in showing people that, you know, you can still do your job, you can still live your life, you can still do normal things, but just, you know, let's make sure that we put an end to this COVID or do everything we can to mitigate the effects of it so that we can have a leak. So here we are um, getting ready for the next one. Uh, we're, our, our team is awaiting the, the draft lottery. We're a lottery team. so. Hopefully in the next few weeks, the league will announce the, the draft positions. And, uh, you know, I'm currently looking at players, um, you know, right now, college players for the next draft. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that. And that, and that kind of, it bounces me to what I was going to say, because um, you covered something and, and you were talking about, you know, this is the 25th anniversary and the league really, you could see a lot of the change and, I appreciate, um, you know, it's, it, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, COVID was a blessing and a curse. And on the blessing side of this, it really forced people to pay attention to what was going on because you had no other choice but to watch TV and see what was going on. And if you're a basketball fan, you got the opportunity to see the WNBA kind of thrust in your face and social justice and everything that was going on with the Black Lives Matter. You, I commend you guys because you guys did a fantastic job of putting yourselves out there like that and, 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 and um, you know, just really standing up for women's rights and equality and all of that stuff. And, you know, the, the, viewish, the viewership um, uh, went up and skyrocketed. You know, ticket sales can never be the same. You know, you had, you know, I witnessed um, on social media, someone saying, you know, it, it was gonna cost $1,500 for them to get into the game to see the Chicago Sky play in the championship game. <laughs> that affect ticket sales. So um, with all of this happening um, out there, there's a buzz about the league and, you know, they're even talking about expansion. I know that you guys um, are having the draft, but, you know, this year, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of place for a lot of, there wasn't a whole lot of room for those players that got drafted. You know, how important is it going to be for the league to add a, a team or two? 
within the next couple of years? Well, I think expansion has been on everybody's minds for the last two years. Unfortunately, the economic climate, the financial climate has been, you know, extremely difficult at best. You know, again, going back to the bubble season, I mean, you can't even imagine what it took to salvage the season and play the season under those circumstances. And again, I commend the league for that. Um, then this past year, we still had the effects early on. Like we didn't stop, I, we were testing every single day, Adrian, every day we tested our players and our staffs until the Olympic break. That's when, you know, things calmed down and we started seeing progress in terms of, you know, uh, COVID cases and, and, and that type of thing. And so um, it, it took that long for us to get past some of the things that were holding the, the league back from being able to push forward with things like aggressively going out and, and, and seeking new ownership. And in a climate where ownership could say, okay, I'm financially in a position now where, yeah, I'm all in. I think we have the interest. I think we have the excitement of people in sports. I think there's been a tremendous um, outcry for coverage for women's sports in general, but basketball in particular. And I think, uh, you know, the time is right. I know there have been a lot of discussions um, behind the scenes about next steps. And I'm sure that sometime in the not too distant future, the, the idea of expansion will be uh, talked about on a more open and public basis. Um, you know, I know that that's, you know, we gotta grow. You know, our, we're positioned now to grow. And if we can uh, um, continue to keep this uh, COVID down so that you know, people can attend games and you have all the the traditional, if you will, um, backdrop and, and enhancements to the game, you know, you're going to see it. But everybody wants expansion. That's There's no doubt about that. It has affected the ability to add players to our league, no question, um, because, you know, typically, you know, uh, new players have to beat somebody out for a spot or there had to be people retiring. You know, there ha there's not a whole lot of retirements going on. And it's harder and harder to have yeah. the same number of jobs being fought over by more and more people. So, you know, you make a good point. You know, everybody's aware of that. But I think that the posture of the league is we're going to expand when we can get um, at least, you know, two teams that can be financially solvent and fully able to not just start franchise but to carry it forward and continue the great progress that's been made and so again the, i think the economic environment is critical to the success of that so it's like the timing of this will be interesting to say the least definitely conversations are being had definitely being discussed at every level and uh, everybody wants it so i have no doubt that at some point it's going to happen when that is could be you know you could hear something this year it could be another year yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny that he, you mentioned that people, no one's retiring. The league is so young right now. The players are so young. You think about <laughs> You can't even think about that right now. So, um, you know, definitely, I would even, wouldn't even mind if they, you know, kind of added like two players to the roster for, for, each, for each team. If they didn't expand, then even think about doing something like that where, you know, you could, you know, you know how we had the, you know, the, the two the two players, the roster spot, and then you had the injured reserve, 
um, you know, back in the day that even something like that would be nice to bring back just to, you know, so that we could get another spot in there or something like that and kind of alleviate. Well, that's another one of the ideas that has been kicked around. And, uh, you know, I think the, the bottom line is that ownership has to be comfortable and taking on the extra uh, expense to do that, but I think it would be healthy for the league. You know, the injuries, are, I think, have really taken a toll on each team. And I think having one or two more players on a roster would would ultimately actually end up in a savings. That's just my opinion. I don't have data to support that, but, uh, you know, it's tough. So right now we've got, you can have a maximum of 12 players on a team. Now with 12 teams in our league, I'd say roughly half have 12 players, the other half have 11. So if you're one of those teams that only have 11 players on your roster to begin with, and you get two people hurt, all of a sudden you got nine people, you can't even go five on five. Yeah, how nice will I, uh, you know, injured, you know, injured reserve be at that moment where you can call somebody up, Yeah, and, you know, bring them on the roster, you know, that'd be nice. It would be nice. It would definitely be a, a, a move in the right direction. Maybe you can start a campaign to rally that, <laughs> that idea. Push I that idea. Every time I have someone on the show, they're like, oh, maybe you can start that. I'm like, hey, listen, we need to help you with the ATV. Oh, goody, maybe you should start that. Okay. <laughs> we need the budget. <laughs> we need a budget for all this stuff, Coach. Right. That's just too funny. But despite the tough season, I mean, you guys – were competing in every game like it wasn't like and then if you look at the at the end and, and you look at the final score and you go oh man they lost by 15 yeah that might have been the free throws in the end but you know you guys are there you know right there and so that's really bright for the future I really like to watch that and I and I saw something came across uh on my on my um on my phone how um you know your your players are doing really well overseas you know so I like to yes. um you know uh, McGowan is, is is doing it he had like thirty she had like a thirty bomb and yeah Tara McCown's doing really really well she and Danielle Robinson are playing together in Turkey doing really well their team also plays in Euro Cup which is a inter European competition as you know. Uh, but both doing really well. Tierra is a good young player who, um, you know, just keeps adding to her skill set and getting better each year. And uh, she's doing really well right now overseas for sure. Yeah, I was checking it out. I like to I like to see, you know, social media is really helpful, you know, because you can just go pretty much anywhere now. You go on YouTube, you know, Twitter, everybody's just putting stuff out there, content out there on how the players are doing overseas. You know, I was playing over there. You know, it was it was hard to find stuff. You had to really yeah. research. You had to fly over there. Yeah, really yeah. You don't have to fly like right now. I'm I I've set up YouTube. All the games in the Euro Cup and Euro League are on YouTube. So I've been able to you know track our our players as well as some other players that you know um, as possibilities. You know the the the. Um, free agency periods coming up so you're always looking at free agents see what's going on see how they're doing so yeah the, youtube has been a blessing to you know be able to watch games that are being played all throughout europe uh right now so. yeah and walk us through free agency when does that period start where you guys can actually contact the player and start talking 
Well, it opens up January uh, 15th. Um, you can sign players uh, beginning February 1st. So, um, you know, January is a big time, you know, and leading up to that, you know, you talk to your own players who are free agents first, and then you, you know, talk to free agents that are available that are on other teams. Uh, it's just a, a busy, busy time. Uh, a lot of movement. Last year, there was quite a bit of movement. I'm sure there will be some movement again this year. <clears throat> you can't actually sign people till February 1, but um, so the month of January is just like a free-for-all pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited because there's a lot of players out there. There's a lot of good players that are out there this year for, you know, it's just a, just a matter of, you know, who's interested in what and where and when. And so um, yeah. I think that there's definitely going to be a lot of movement, definitely. Um, so, like, what teams do you, like, I, I mean, I know you're the coach of the Indiana Fever, but what, what teams did, did when you, when you, that you play against, what do you, what teams seem promising, you know, for the future, you know, because there's a lot of good teams out there. Um, I, you know, I like, um, well, you used to coach at New York. I like, I like that, you know, they got a nice young squad over there. I like watching them play. No, I like, uh, definitely like watching Chicago. That, that felt like they put it together. They had their vets around them. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I'm a fan of the game. So I'm sure that you probably are too. What teams do you kind of like, you, you look forward to playing uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you guys are out there on the road? Well, first of all, let me just tell you, there's no easy games. <laughs> there is nobody in this league that's a pushover, okay? Um, and so every game's a big game. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's demanding and it's fun and exciting and rarely uh, are the, the teams in the playoffs decided until the last week or, or so week and a half of the season. That was the case again this year. Uh, everybody's capable of beating everybody else. Uh, you alluded to, to like us, you know, we were close. One of my assistants, uh, went through the schedule and said, coach, did you realize we, lost eight games by two possessions or less. I mean, we're right there, you know? There's not much that separates a win and a loss in a lot of cases. And, uh, you know, a couple turnovers and a missed shot, you know, can be the difference in an outcome, you know? So when you're playing at a high level, you know, it's, uh, again, anybody can beat anybody. That's just the way it is in pro basketball. So, but having said that, you know, obviously the favorite is Chicago coming back. They've got, you know they gotta they gotta sign their free agents you know and they've got a lot of them um i think adding candace parker to what they already had really really helped them because she understood firsthand what it took to win a championship and she added to what they had already had there so you know they gotta be considered a favorite and then you know connecticut is just tough you know they're really tough and uh you know, they did not have Alyssa Thomas, for example, until into the playoffs, you know, and trying to, to work her back in. I mean, we're talking about a several time all-star, you know, being without her all season, they held it down and got positioned to make a, a deep run and did. Um, who else? You know, I think, uh, of course, Phoenix, you, you still, you got Tarazi and Griner and, and Skylar Diggins. I mean, that, that's a big three right there. You you put some people around them, which they did. They had good supporting cast around them, you know. Um, uh, you know, and then you got Vegas is always a threat. I don't care what anybody says. You know, Asia Wilson, okay, uh, Chelsea Gray, 
Liz Cambage. I mean, that's a crew, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, you could go right down the list. I'm a fan too. So I kind of like just about everybody. The young teams, definitely New York and, and Dallas. And I think we're positioned to be, you know, we're like, you know, we're knocking on the door, you know? We're knocking on the door right there. So this off is important that our players get healthy and get better. And, uh, you know, our draft will be important. And uh, we're going to come out swinging. <laughs> I know you are. You know, you got some young guns over there. I like watching you guys play. I like how you get up and down the floor. You know, um, I, I, I see a lot of what you try to put in us at Old Dominion over, you know, and the girls, you know, like get up and down the floor, you know, and hustle. Yeah, I like a running game. Yeah. Fans like a running game. Players like a running game. Yeah. You know? I, I think that, you know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Chelsea Perry, right? Um, yep. You should have her back and, and healthy. So. Yeah, uh, you know, Chelsea Perry's a good story. She went to UT Martin. Um, was one of the better shooters for a 3-4 type player that thought coming out of college last year. Um, when we brought her back, uh, she was doing really well and then tore her ACL during the break. And uh, I'd venture to say that, you know, we probably would have been four games better had she not getting, gotten hurt. So we're excited, you know. She's, That's a big difference. Yeah, she. Well, you know, when you know you're that close and you miss somebody who has that ability, it makes a difference. We also lost uh, Betty Hatar to an injury. Betty, six uh, ten, plays on the Chopron team in Hungary. Plays on the Hungarian national team. Doing great overseas right now. She went home with a uh, ankle that needed surgery uh, after about ten games. Um, so, you know, it was just a tough year with impact players, you know, being sorely missed. Julie Aleman, who starts at point guard for the Belgian national team, didn't come over because she was playing in the Olympics all summer. So when you start talking about Olympian here, you know, European all-star there and an up-and-comer, you know, and you don't have them at all for the second half of your season, you know, it made a big difference. So not offering excuses. Our, our guys, I, I'm real proud of our team because they fought. We were in every game. Truth be told, the last four games of the year, we played with seven players. And the very last game, we played at Chicago with six people. That's how bad the injury bug hit us. So uh, we're going to have a full complement of healthy players going into this coming season. Absolutely. That's a serious crush right there. So, Scary to think about what we could be like. You know how to you know how to win win the championship with eight. I don't know about six. <laughs> six is still tough. <laughs> six is still tough. You know, man, and that's funny. I have to ask you this question: If you had it, if 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 the league came to you and said, Coach Stanley, give me two cities, two cities that we can have a WNBA team at. What would be those two cities that you think would, would flourish with WNBA team? Uh, you know, there's a lot of candidates, honestly, Adrian. I think we need another West Coast team. And ever since uh, the Sacramento franchise folded, like that, the Bay Area has always supported San Jose. professional basketball. I think that area, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. I don't know how strong the talk is, but there's been, you know, talk and stuff out there on social media about Toronto, maybe, you know, we'll see. Great. 
maybe with Drake, you know, Drake, you know, you gonna, you gonna step up or not, you know? What is it? <laughs> what you know, what you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't mind going back to Miami. Well, come to Miami. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know, Miami. Um, you know, anywhere in the SEC area, you know, you've got such great fandom, you know, with with South Carolina, Kentucky, you know, Louisville, Nashville, you know, you got a lot of places. I just don't know. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I think it's to me it's a it's gotta be a place where there's a, a an ownership group that has a real commitment to this for the long haul. And wherever that is, you know, let's go. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Miami would be nice. I wouldn't mind that, taking a trip to Miami <laughs> a couple times a summer. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, right? I could tell you. And I appreciate you coming on the show, Coach Stanley, as we close it out. WNBA State of Mind. I'm here with Coach Marianne Stanley at Indiana Fever. Make sure you check them out. Coach Stanley, how can people follow the team on social media where you know where how oh now see you're going down that road i don't even I, you know i know we've we've got wmba.com wmba.com indianafever.com um you know you, guys you know are, you know how to find us you're on instagram instagram twitter you know the league website yeah, for the most part, you guys are out there. So make sure that you go check them out. Coach Stanley, I appreciate you coming on the show, spending time with me on a good Sunday. Thank you, Adrian. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, let's keep our fingers crossed for a great lottery, <laughs> draft lottery. Yes. And uh, I'm hopeful that everybody's had a real nice Thanksgiving and, and, and uh, looking forward to the holidays upcoming. I know. I can't take any more eating. Enough leftovers. That's it. That's it. I'm not even taking. I'm not even taking them anywhere with me. I woke up to leftovers today. I was like, "That's it." All oh, right. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. That's it. Sammy Sosa. Oh my God, out there. Peace out. I'm gonna turn the recorder off.